And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves a flag. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, folks, is it beautiful today on Milleronia. It is just gorgeous, and even though, true, I insist on uniform weather all the time and we make it that way, it's especially gorgeous today. It's so beautiful. It's so pretty here. The air is wonderful. And, gee, the people are great. The citizens of Milleronia are just great. We had a terrific festival last weekend. Well, it was, you know, something for my family. I have festivals for my family, too. And uh, it was really nice. And, uh, well, one of our sons is a Marine, as I've told you. And the other son... Oh, just uh, finished his junior year in high school. He's going to be a senior next year. And, you know, these things, well, we had a terrific festival. What food? I can't tell you how beautifully everyone cooks here. At any rate, everything. And then, of course, that music just makes me, puts me in top form. That's, of course, the John Tolufson Orchestra and the Susie Lillibridge Dancers featuring girls, soprano, Lisa Krolasik, Asking the musical question, is possession nine-tenths of the law? Good question, Lisa. And that's why it was it's great to make a girl soprano. It's a heck of a question. And is possession nine-tenths of the law? Well, it depends uh, where you are. Here on Milleronia, for instance, if I have something, it's not nine-tenths of the law. It is the law. Period. One of my cabinet members once said something I had was only nine-tenths of the law, so I took him to our volcano, threw him in, but only nine-tenths of the way down. And uh, as he disappeared, though, into the molten lava, I yelled in, whoops, I guess that was ten-tenths of the way. Maybe twelve-tenths. Bye now. I can promise you none of the other cabinet members ever said anything like that again. Would you? But you know you know what, uh, Lisa, the truth is? Anywhere but Milleronia, yes. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. So good question. Here on Milleronia, here's some good advice. If you have something that I want, possession is zero-tenths of the law. If, if, you, if you see me looking at something, just hand it over. Or we'll be taking a stroll to the volcano, too. And you know what, though? It's, it's, it, it's good that way. Because remember, I, I, I built this place. I built the whole island. And I, I bought the island. And I, well, I, 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 technically, I didn't buy it. I took it. And uh, that, was in, that was in tribute to the celebration of Thanksgiving on the mainland. Which is, uh, as you know, where... Uh, well, all the settlers and uh, had come, and they had a very hard first winter, and the local Indians saved them and gave them food to get by on, and they brought them to their Indian village for Thanksgiving, and it was a tr- tremendous meal, and that's when, uh, well, the captain of the ship, the uh, the captain of the colonialists, said, "Chief, I'll be honest, you you saved us and made a wonderful." festival here. I made a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, thank you very, very much. Now get out. And yes, that was kind of it. He said, well, what what do you mean, get out? This is where we live. No, no, no. It was. This is ours now. And uh, just start heading west. If, If you don't mind my saying, well, if you stay here, it's going to go very badly for you. Who knows, we might find a volcano. But you know what? Start heading west, and uh, when you get to 
Oh, the beautiful fields of green and mountains. Keep going west, because that's not yours either. Would you go west and head to where? Well, out, out west, to where it's not far west, not to California, because that's ours too. But uh, go to where it's, uh, well, you can make those caves in the, in the mountain areas there. You'll like that. But uh, whether you do or not, that's yours. So in any case, as a tribute to that, uh, that's how I got Milleronia. But uh, you know what, folks? It, it, it means a lot to have something you love as much as this show, this island, all the citizens, and, well, all you folks listening. So thanks, and thanks again. This is my Thanksgiving to you, I guess. And by Amazon and PayPal and my book. It makes me very happy to say, you know what? Amazon is still my favorite company in the world because they do three things no one else does. One, number one, they you just order whatever you want. Anything you want. And uh, anything that gets into your head, anything you can imagine, just order it. And number two, they've already got it. They don't have to make it. They don't have to grab it. They don't have to get it from someone else. They already have it in one of those gigantic warehouses, those Indiana Jones warehouses where it's a mile long and a mile wide and a mile high and a mile low. And you know what? They can do that. But the main thing, number three, why they're so great, they send us a percentage of whatever you order. And that's pretty good. They send it right here to the show. To me and Colonel Jeff, and uh, we take that money, boy, we put it right into the lockbox there that uh, saves our money for the next big fancy fried chicken dinner and two drinks beforehand in a different place. That's how we do it. And uh, last time, as you know, we invited Dr. Chris to go along with us. He had a break from his studies at the University of Solvang, uh, being a clog dancing major. And then we, we brought him along to our Roscoe's house and of chicken and waffles dinner. Boy, it was terrific, too. And they are not a sponsor. I'm just saying, gee, that was terrific. So you know what? Thank you, Amazon. And uh, we, put that, we put that money right where it should go. And by the way, folks, you know what? Uh, to get to Amazon, don't go on your own computer. Don't go on your own iPhone or whatever you have. Go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> Good Lord, I thought that was me for a second. <laughs> yes, that's right. Go to our website. We have a banner that says Amazon. Press that and we'll take you there. The Colonel and I, it could be the middle of the night, it doesn't matter when. You click our banner that says Amazon and go right go right to sleep. Take a nap. Go go into your big lazy boy chair, put a magazine over your face and just relax and and grab some Z's. And we'll take you to Amazon. And by PayPal. Another one of my favorite groups. Boy, these guys are terrific. PayPal makes you feel like you're saving the world. And you know what? Maybe you are. So, uh, for instance, if you enjoy my show, and why wouldn't you, and, and, and you'd like to send us a few bucks to help out, and why wouldn't you, you can do it through PayPal. And I, I like them because I, I don't have to say, donate this, or pay what you like. I don't like those words, or join the Platinum Committee. I always like to say, buy us some drinks. That's right. Buy me and the Colonel some drinks. They'll be there because there are different levels. There's level one through five, all the way up to... We're driving to Florida! <laughs> I love that audience. And I love that guy. Yes! I would never take them to the volcano. That's how much I like them. I would never do that. Never. I'd have someone else do it. That's how much I like them. I would not personally toss them in. So, you know what, though? Look for the PayPal banner on our website, too, at, once again, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. 
<laughs> Boy, that's a good one. I guess PayPal has offices on different planets. That was terrific. <laughs> so thank you in advance. Every little bit helps and helps us, well, you know, keep the old leg lamp lit. And thank you to everyone who's contributed already. Thank you very much. And thank you to those of you who are about to see the light. <laughs> Press that PayPal banner. And by me. That's right. By my signed... Look, I have a book, Spoiled Rotten America, and it's terrific. I'm very proud of it. It did great in sales. And you know what? Signed hardcover copies of the book are now for sale at store.comedyfilmnerds.com. That's store.comedyfilmnerds.com. So thank you in advance for the folks also who've bought that. I hope you enjoy it. I know you do, because I'm very proud of the book. It's funny. It's my look at life. And other than this show, which is also my look at life. And that brings us to my favorite part of the show... The joke of the week. <laughs> I just like that beginning anyway. I, I love this joke of the week, as, as some of you may know, or all of you may know. It's wonderful to pass along a joke. A good joke is really a, a, a great light moment in life. And so if you like this, please tell it to your family or your friends or everyone you know. And uh, I like this one. And so does the colonel. And I hope you do, too. A man walks into a bar. And I love that already, you know, because, you know, I like and Colonel Jeff likes that, too. Bars are great places for jokes. So a man walks into a bar and sits himself down on one of the stools. And uh, he's about to order a drink. And then he realizes, uh oh, he pats his vest in his pockets. He realizes he didn't take his wallet with him. He left his wallet at home. And he said, oh, well, how do you like that? Okay. And uh, then he thinks, he drums his fingers on the bar for a second and calls the bartender over, and the bartender says, what? And, uh, and he says, I'd like a big, tall, cold pint of your best beer, but do me a favor. Now, I have to be honest with you. I, I left my wallet at home, so I don't have any money with me, but I'd like to make you a deal. Let me try this with you. If I can show you something just amazing. If I can show you something right now and do something for you right now that impresses you so much that you just want to give me a pint of beer for free, you know what? How does that sound to you? And the guy says, well, look, buddy, I'll be honest with you. you see, take a look around at this place and you see all the pictures on the walls. I've seen everything. Everyone has walked in here. Everyone has pulled all sorts of things, and, you know, I, I, I've seen all there is to be seen. So I'll tell you what, I don't think you're going to do it, but I'll tell you what, you seem all right. You seem like a straight shooter, and uh, I'll make that deal with you. If you can show me something right now that just knocks me off my feet, you got yourself a pint of beer. Sure enough, the guy reaches into his left pocket inside his sport jacket and pulls out a hamster. He pulls out a hamster and sits the hamster on the bar. It's just a little fella. And that's pretty cute right there. But then he reaches into his pocket again and pulls out a tiny piano, just about the right size of the hamster. He puts the piano down next to the hamster and then reaches in one more time into his pocket and pulls out a stool for the piano. Sits the stool right on the, right on the bar next to the piano, picks up the hamster by the little scruff of the neck there, sits him on the stool, and, folks, that hamster proceeds to play a Rachmaninoff concerto on that piano, that little piano, that is perfect and gorgeous. He doesn't miss one note, and it's shattering. It's so beautiful. And the hamster finishes the, the whole piece and sits there and stands up and bows at the bartender. And the bartender says to the fellow, buddy, I have to be honest with you. I thought I had seen it all, but I haven't seen anything like that. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yes, you know what? You did what you said you'd do. And he hands him a big cold pint of beer and says, here's your beer. Enjoy it. Folks, 
Our friend is very happy. He takes a sip of the beer. He It's good beer. He Just what he wanted. And he takes a couple of big sips and says, wow, this is great. And after just a minute or two, he knocks down that whole pint. And he says to himself, wow, that was so good. I'll be honest. I want another one. And he calls the bartender back over. You know what? Supposing I show you something again that's even twice as amazing as what I just showed you. Would that get me another pint for free? And the bartender starts to say, uh, Mr., you know what? Don't don't push your luck here. But as he's saying that, our friend reaches into his right-hand pocket now in the jacket and pulls out a frog. And the frog is not only, well, he's a live, jumpy frog, but he's wearing a vest and a formal white tie and tails outfit and he stands the frog right up there and the frog is facing the bartender again and the hamster starts to play well the most beautiful introduction to an aria from a great opera and folks this frog starts to sing from that opera that aria and Folks, it's so gorgeous. The frog is so fabulous. He puts a tear in everyone's eye in the bar. People are that moved by this frog holding forth and singing a classical piece. Even the bartender is, well, he's, you know, he's shaking with joy and he's wiping a tear from his eye too. And, you know, folks, this is a very moving moment. The bartender, same thing, gives him another pint and says, Buddy, thank you. I That was also just as you said. It was just shattering, amazing. <laughs> and he walks away. And we see, though, in the corner of the bar, there's a guy who's not crying and he's not smiling. He's kind of a shady character. He's even got a black cape on. And you know what? He stands up and walks over to the bar and over to our friend, and uh, he says to him, he smiles, but it's not a real smile. You and I would know that. It's just a shady guy's smile. And he says to him, you know what? How would you like, sir, how would you like $50,000 right now in cash? I'll give it to you right now in cash if you give me that frog. Sell me that frog right now for $50,000. And the guy, well, he shrugs and he says, you've got a deal. And he picks up the frog. The guy hands him $50,000 in cash and grabs the frog and runs out of the bar, cackling, just, <laughs> and runs out. And the bartender comes over and says, but buddy, why did you do that? Why would you do that? How could you get rid of a, a frog who can sing that beautifully? And the fella leans over to the bartender and just motions him over and says, Yeah, hey, listen, you know what? It's no big deal. The hamster's a ventriloquist. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, isn't it, folks? <laughs> this is quite a guy, by the way. <laughs> so he's not that upset. He can get another frog and teach him how to mime standing there. Because, after all, his hamster's a ventriloquist. Quite a hamster, by the way. <laughs> and uh, that brings me to my second favorite part of the show, The Poetry Corner. Once again, that music is very lovely. Even the guy coughing. I wouldn't take him to the volcano either, because he's got a great cough. Well, too much of that cough. He, he might get a walk up there. But uh, you know what? This is a beautiful poem, because like jokes, a great poem is something really to to listen to and hold on to. It's by Felicia Dorothea Hemans. She was a British poet lived from 1793 to 1835, and her work appeared in 19 books in her lifetime. She was very successful at that. And after her death, of course, this happens, as you know, with artists, with poets. With After the death, her poems were then widely republished and, and also used as lyrics 
for songs. This poem commemorates an actual incident from 1798, the Battle of the Nile, on board a French ship, and the young son of the commander, Louis de Casabianca, stayed at his post, and here's what happened during that battle. Uh, this poem, by the way, became commonly required reading in the United Kingdom and the United States from the 1850s to the 1950s. It's a, seen as a symbolic uh, of Victorian Stoicism. It's it's just a great poem, though. I'm very, I'm very grateful to Felicia for this. Here we go. It's called Casabianca. The boy stood on the burning deck whence all but he had fled. The flame that lit the battle's wreck shone round him o'er the dead. Yet beautiful and bright he stood, as born to rule the storm, a creature of heroic blood, a proud, though childlike form. The flames rolled on, he would not go without his father's word. That father, faint in death below, his voice no longer heard. He called alive, say, father, say, if yet my task is done. He knew not that the chieftain lay unconscious of his son. Speak, father, once again he cried, if I may yet be gone. And but the booming shots replied and fast the flames rolled on. Upon his brow he felt their breath, and in his waving hair, and looked from that lone post of death, in still yet brave despair, and shouted but one more aloud, My father, must I stay? While o'er him fast, through sail and shroud, the wreathing fires made way. They wrapped the ship in splendor wild. They caught the flag on high and streamed above the gallant child like banners in the sky. There came a burst of thunder sound. The boy, oh, where was he? Ask of the winds that far around with fragments strewed the sea. With mast and helm and pennon fair, that well had borne their part, but the noblest thing which perished there was that young, faithful heart. Isn't that nice, folks? That's a good poem. Very well written. Please take a look at it again by Felicia Dorothea Hemans, H-E-M-A-N-S, and the title is Casa Bianca. That was their name. And yes, it's a true story. And you know what? That boy stayed at his post and perished when flames caused the magazine to explode. But it moves us. And, well, I think I can smile up, up to heaven and say, good work, young man. I'm sorry it cost you your life. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. MMM, Triple M, the magic movie moment. This is a good one, folks, too. What a good movie this is. From 1966, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. It's a terrific movie. And it's, oh, starring so many great people. Phil Silvers, Zero Mostel, Jack Guilford. And uh, by the way, oh, so many great actors and actresses in this, but a woman, an actress named Inga Nielsen, who uh, played <laughs> Gymnasia. This is about ancient Rome, and it's about a well-to-do family in ancient Rome. And, uh, oh, they have servants and slaves right there. And, uh, oh, Buster Keaton is in this also. My golly, so many others. They're so good. And directed by Richard Lester. He did a great job. He knows how to tell a story. And he got all the drama out of it and all the comedy into it. It's very, very funny. 
Please see it if you haven't. And if it's been a while, see it again. You'll be glad you did. And the magic movie moment for me uh, from it is next to their mansion where the wealthy family lives and is Phil Silvers who runs a brothel there. Well, that's it's a brothel. Is, I don't know why they're next door, come to think of it. That probably, one of them ruined the neighborhood. But you know what? Phil Silvers runs the brothel there, and he's got, oh, two dozen beautiful young women there. And uh, that's why we run into Inga Nielsen, by the way. She's just gorgeous. And every man watching that movie in the theater has, <laughs> just has to say, now we're getting somewhere. But you know what? Uh, the the child of the couple next door, of the wealthy couple, the son, um, who's played by Michael Crawford, and his name is Hero, and he thinks he's falling in love with someone, and he doesn't really know anything about women, so Zero Mostel agrees to take him next door. Zero Mostel is one of the slaves there in the house, and he's going to take him to, well, the brothel, and which is owned by Phil Silvers. These folks are all so good, and we see it's a, shot, a good shot by Richard Lester, the director. It's 50 feet, we see, across the, well, the whole ground floor, really, of the brothel, and we see Phil Silvers and the young man walk in from that distance, and uh, from the same distance, Phil Silvers takes out a little bag with coins in it and shakes the bag just ka-chink, chink, 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 and right in front of the camera, Phil Silvers just pops up, looking at the camera, and he says, I know that sound, and I love it. And no one was ever better than Phil Silvers. It's a great comic moment, a great real introduction to their relationship, but what a good line. I know that sound, and I love it. Just terrific. And you know what, folks? That moment is a magic movie moment for me. It's a great movie. And it tells us a whole story of people looking for something. And they're, well, the truth is they're all looking for love. But uh, they, and uh, who knows whether they'll get it by the end of the movie. But their search is wonderful. And that that moment is great. What what happens then? Well, what do you think happens? But it's, it's just terrific. And uh, please see it if you never have, or if it's been a while. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. And if no other reason, just to see. I know that sound, and I love it. (laughs) By the great Phil Silvers. Reminded me of, what does the loyalty mean? Were they loyal to Rome at that point? Were they loyal to, did Rome even have a flag? I don't know. And the reason I mentioned flag before loving a flag is, well, Colonel Jeff and I are recording this show on Flag Day. That's June 14th, and it's Flag Day. That is our Flag Day every year. And, folks, it was it was June 14th in 1777 that uh, George Washington uh, picked... And it was okayed by the Second Continental Congress. So remember, that's not the regular Congress. This is, remember, 1777. This is the middle of the revolution. This is in the middle of the war. And, well, we had certain flags that were carried into battle. But Washington decided, and he's right, that we needed a flag. One flag. And uh, it was made by the famous Betsy Ross, who... Well, made 13 stripes, the same way it is now on our flag, of red and white stripes. The red is for the blood of those who fought in the revolution, and the white is for the bandages that were used to heal them. And in that blue field, of course, that you know from the upper left on the flag, well, we have 50 stars in it now. But not in 1777, Betsy Ross put in a circle of stars, 13 stars, for the 13 colonies. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful flag. And when you read, I was, I was reading this too and thinking, 
Boy, we sure, I was talking about this with the colonel, you know, I said, those folks really did something that to, to make a country, and it was dangerous. It was no kidding around, you know, when, when uh, Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death, he wasn't kidding. They, it was, uh, the Brits were very tough on that sort of thing, and they weren't kidding either. And, boy, we had some great flags, though. You know, uh, the one we think of as Old Glory, that's the name it first got, and that's what it's still called today. Old Glory was, well, was written about by Francis Scott Key in the War of 1812 and at sea, the Battle of Baltimore. And that's when he wrote about what he saw, that the flag was still there after a night watching from his ship, his warship, and to see if the flag over the fort was still there, and it was. And that's why oh, the Star-Spangled Banner is such a, is a great poem that he wrote, and, oh, it's a great song. Oh, goodness, I, I don't want to uh, annoy you by saying it out loud, but it's so beautiful to, oh, say, oh, say, can you see? By the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. It's beautiful, folks. And we had some good flags, by the way, that are still around and have their part. You know, my uh, there's one called the Grand Union flag, which was the same 13 red and white stripes, but the British flag instead of our stars. And that was used, by the way, in our battles. That was still when, well, people, a lot of people, even the great revolutionaries, were thinking, well, we're still a colony of Great Britain, and we're declaring our independence, but maybe we can make this and use the power of their flag with the power of our flag, and it was used in battles. And uh, the Sons of Liberty, by the way, which was uh, a revolutionary patriotic group, the Sons of Liberty, and... <laughs> They were tough. They weren't kidding either. And they, they had a flag which was nine vertical red and white stripes. And that's what also Betsy Ross took in to make horizontal stripes. And uh, I'll be honest, though, I think my favorite was, uh, and it's still around in some places, it's a yellow flag with a coiled snake. It's a rattlesnake. And Benjamin Franklin was the first one who suggested snakes as something to indicate, well, that we weren't kidding around either. And it's a yellow flag with a coiled rattlesnake, and you see the rattler, and then you see the head of the snake, and he's got his mouth open, and he's not kidding either. And underneath that snake is, in black, the great phrase, don't tread on me. I like that. I like that a lot. That's also a flag that says, you know, we're not kidding around here. But Benjamin Franklin, God bless him, the one who came up with the snake, he had some terrific flags. And it just reminded me, Flag Day used to be, I think, much bigger than it is now. Flag Day was always big in our school. And Colonel Jeff said the same thing. It was big in his school, too. I don't know if school's really do much about Flag Day anymore, but we always got, well, they gave us all little flags, all the kids, and every teacher, our teachers would read to us about, well, Ben Franklin, Betsy Ross, and all the others, and and what they did and what they went through. And it was very meaningful. We really, really looked forward to it. Now, admittedly, also the reason we looked forward to it so much was that Flag Day was, of course, at the end of the school year. And all kids are ready to celebrate that. I was, you were, Colonel Jeff was, and, uh, you know, uh, that was a great time of the year. I remember also all the kids, we had, uh, uh, our, our elementary school was the Harbor Road School. It's a public school, and it was terrific. We really got kindergarten through grade six, and it was just a few blocks from my house. I could walk there no matter how cold it was. Really nice. And then across a field, well, about the size of a football field, was 
The other school I went to, South High School, which was grades 7 through 12. It was junior high and high school combined. But what a nice thing to have there. Walk to both schools from kindergarten through 12th grade. And uh, every year, by the way, every year, our school, South High, would play the other school in Valley Stream on Long Island, which was North High. Now, those were the two schools. But we also, North and South High, always played on the Civil War image of that. So during the big North-South game, which was the big football game of the year, well, a lot of the fans on the North side, a lot, would have caps from the North of the Civil War, right from the Civil War. And I don't mean real caps, but, you know, the ones that you get at, well, places like Freedom Land or I guess Disneyland might still have those. And then we would wear the same thing from the South, the gray caps and uh, with the little brims there. Boy, I loved those. And uh, that's, those are what we wore on North-South Day and the day before in school. And all the teachers knew that. And I'm just remembering that now because we took a trip. My family and I took a trip down to Washington, D.C. That was our place to go. It was, well, it wasn't so long. I guess it was four or five hours by car. And it was very meaningful. We'd see everything. Lincoln Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial, well, the Washington Memorial. We went to all sorts of places, the Smithsonian Institute. And, uh, well, and we went to the, on this one day, we went to, that's right, we went to the Lincoln Memorial, which is, if you haven't been there, please go. It's very meaningful. And I was didn't think of this, and the, my parents didn't think of it, but I was wearing my Confederate cap with a Confederate flag that we, well, that's what we had in school for the North-South game. But I was just wearing it, and as I'm reading the words on the statue, <laughs> I'm in the Lincoln Memorial, and... uh one of the guards came up to me. I've got, I've got the cap on and a little Confederate flag, and <laughs> from school. And uh, the guard comes up to me. It's like a movie. He was black and uh, he was he was very nice. And he came up to me and he bent over and he he asked. Well, he didn't ask really. He told me to take the cap off. And the truth is, he was right. I didn't think of it. My parents didn't think of it. But then they realized, you know, he's right. We're here in the Lincoln Memorial, for God's sake. And there I am, just, you know, I, with the flag, with the cap. I might as well have been sucking my thumb. But I was reading the stuff on the walls and the Gettysburg address. Dear God. But, uh, you know what? The truth is, that's why flags... Well, matter. And on on, uh, on flag day before the end of school, that's why, well, those last few days of school were great anyway. No one was protesting anything because, you know, it was a suburban school, just public schools. So there was nothing to protest and uh, just a lot of happy kids and, well, the normal one or two fist fights. But, I mean, that was just, well, that was just those days. No one really did anything crazy in a fist fight, as I remember. You know, it was, uh, you might be scared, and, you know, why wouldn't you be scared? But with the fist fights, we usually, well, bap, 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 ow, you know, and then you're wrestling on the ground and boom, 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 and pounding each other. And then after just a while, a while meaning 30 seconds or a minute, well, that was long enough. And then one of the teachers would come running over and say, all right, that's about it. Oh, I know that sounds like a tough guy. I just, whose voice I did, but it wasn't. It was all with women teachers. And uh, we had one male teacher, by the way, Mr. Lurino, in our elementary school. All the teachers, my teachers were Mrs. Schroeder, Mrs. Milne, Mrs. Hansen, Mrs. Kenny, Mrs. Campbell, Mrs. Smith, and Mrs. Ben Ruby. And uh, they were good. I had really good teachers. And, uh, and uh, Mrs. Ben Ruby was in sixth grade for me. And there was another sixth grade. We had, that was the size of the school. There were two classrooms for every grade. So Mr. Lorino had the other sixth grade class. 
He was a very nice man, but something happened. It's funny. We did a play. We made a play in our sixth grade that we put on at the school one afternoon there. And uh, it was about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table or something. That was the general theme. I can't remember anything about the play. But, you know, those were great things in elementary school because, well, your mom would help you get some thing together. Wore, uh, one of those vests they called. They, uh, I can't remember what they were called. They, you wore on the outside of the clothes with, uh, with a fleur-de-lis on it or something or other and a cap. You know, so you looked kind of like, well, Kid Robin Hoods. And we made swords. Boy, we loved these. Oh, boy. I mean, swords with a big piece of wood about two feet long. We were in sixth grade, remember. And we saw a point onto the sword. I guess this isn't something you'd see a lot in elementary school today. But we sawed a point onto the sword and then made, uh, you know, a, a cross piece of wood to go over where your hand went. And uh, we made it. We did it. So that was uh, now true during the rehearsals and performing. The wooden swords gave us all about 300 splinters. I mean, you know, you just kept getting splinters. But we didn't care about that, you know, because we were, well, we were young boys and nothing seemed to matter. But the point is, after we performed the play, and it was good, it did very well, everyone applauded. I can't remember anything about it. But Mr. Lurino came into our classroom in uh, sixth grade. It was very sweet of him. He, he he wanted to compliment us on what we did. And one of the things he said was, that, I, I don't know about you, but we had words we used to play with at that age. So you're 10, 11, 12 years old. And uh, one was cows. We loved the names of cows. Jersey, Guernsey, and uh, four or five others. And we'd make it, though, with saying it a certain way, uh, little Jersey, little Guernsey. We we just made ourselves laugh with that. I don't, I still don't know what I meant. I remember I told my family once in the car going to Brooklyn to see our, my grandparents, and uh, and they were laughing because of the way I was pronouncing it, little Jersey, little Guernsey. And uh, one of the other words we loved was absorb. I don't know why. I, I well, we didn't know what it meant, but absorbing. And uh, we would say the same thing. It's absorbing. We'd make just fun with it. And I, I, I have no idea why. And uh, Mr. Lorino, this good man, came up to uh, to compliment us in our classroom when everyone's sitting down there. And he was very sweet and it was a very nice compliment. And he said it was very absorbing. The play, of course, is what he meant. But as soon as he said absorbing, he said it was very absorbing. And, of course, we collapsed laughing We because that's that's our word. Now, what it, what it meant when he said it, who knew? What it meant when we said it, I don't know. But he said it was very absorbing. And, uh, and we would shout, of course, absorbing. And, <laughs> well, he was a teacher. I guess he I guess he knew what knew what was going on with kids. Good man, though, and everyone there was just, uh, frankly, terrific. But those last few days of school, you know, they were great. We liked them very much. I remember them a lot because uh, all the junior high kids, remember, we had a football field in between our school, the elementary school, and South High, which was 7 through 12. So it was right across the field there. And every year, they always got out a day or two before we did, and Every year, all the junior high kids from South High would tear their loose leaf books up, the notebooks with all the loose leaf paper, and they tore them up and just threw them all over the field there. There was, well, it was literally 10 or 12 inches of thickness of loose leaf paper and loose leaf books, and they really just enjoyed it. And I loved watching them do this. Now, the question, Colonel Jefferson said, you know, did anyone uh, not like that? There was another case of, who knows? You know, it was they were having fun. They did it every year. I guess it started one year with a handful of kids doing it. The next year, there was twice that. And forever, more or less, it was just the whole school of kids doing this. And all the only thought I had about it was I used to look at them and think, 
Hey, you know what? Just a couple more years and I can do that too. Because I thought this was an official thing. A way to make fun of something. I don't, I, I don't know what exactly. And you know, it was, it's interesting. Why were we so happy because of summer coming? That I don't remember at all because there wasn't a lot to remember with summer. As you know, just no, no celebrations, just really happy kids. Oh, summer's coming. All kids are thrilled at the thought of summer because they all forget everything about what a shrug summer really is. I mean, it's great, but you don't really do anything except play. That's great, too. I mean, the best part of summer, the only great part, really, is that there's no school. That's the main thing. Hey, school is ending. That is great. And at that point, at that age, to have whew, two and a half months till school starts again, well, that's forever in a good way. Wow, that it may not even happen again. That's the way kids think. And, uh, you know, that, but it's true that, so as you get through summer, no one even bothers to notice that it's coming right up again anyway in just a few weeks. And by the time it does, you're actually looking forward to it. That's the cool part about it. Everyone's happy. Yay, school! Well, you get to see old friends and Everybody's wearing new clothes, and by the time you hit 12 or 13, you know, you're seriously starting to notice that all the girls are changing. You're not, but they are. And you like the changes. You don't know why, you just know that you do. And I remember that too, and that was kind of, well, that was kind of innocent in its way. Well, look what's happening to Betsy. You know, she was the first girl in our school, even in even in sixth grade, who, well, started changing. God bless her. She was, and she was very pretty, and she was changing. Do <laughs> you need me to say any other words besides changing, by the way? I don't think you do. Like, seriously changing. Like, no kidding around changing. Like, even in sixth grade, it was like va-va-va-voom changing. Like, holy mackerel changing. I remember Mrs. Smith, our fifth grade teacher. I remember when she got the news about President Kennedy's assassination. I remember that she had those phones. We all had those school phones, intercom phones in the wall. They were just uh, not big things. Yeah, I guess uh, about eight inches by four inches, and they had a speaker in them and a little earpiece that was on a hook that you could pick up and it was of course attached by a cord and she uh it rang I'll never forget that day that President Kennedy was killed, was assassinated, and she went over to pick it up. That was kind of strange. No nothing those things didn't go off in the day for no reason. And she did she went over and she she was just quiet for a minute and said all right, well, thank you. Okay. And she hung up the phone and she came to us. I remember she stood in front of us and said, and told us that, well, children, President Kennedy has just been killed. He's dead now. He was assassinated. And then she said, you know, perhaps it would be good if you all said a little prayer for him right now. And we did. I guess that's another thing that wouldn't happen today, but it was nice when it happened for us. We all did. We all just went inside ourselves and said a prayer in whatever our religion was. And I remember <laughs> Mr. Argenzio was a terrific gym teacher in junior high and high school. And uh, I remember, and he was a great coach too. He was a great, he was a soccer coach too. And I remember we came back from a game on the school bus and pulled in to the gym area parking. And it was a regular yellow school bus. And uh, one of the kids figured out that, hey, we could open the back door and just climb down and jump down. And we didn't have to walk out the front door of the school bus. We could go out the back door. So we all did. We... And it felt like, is this the right thing to do? But 
And we we did. We all climbed down. And I remember Mr. Argenzio just came over with that. He didn't complain. He just kind of yelled a little, but there's no, what are you doing? What are you, hey, everybody, come over here. Get back on that bus. You're going to walk through the school bus and apologize to the driver and then walk out for the front. And, you know, well, that seemed frankly like the thing to do. But here's, I remember we were getting on the bus and it's not easy to jump up that way again. It's about four feet high, I think. And every time a kid would jump up and start to wiggle himself up there, Mr. Argencio would kick him in the butt. But I mean a real kick. I mean it was like a side of the foot, side of the foot soccer kick, but but not light. Like boom, and it would actually lift the kid another foot. He was already in the air, and it was like, and every kid, including me, everybody, would just went oh, you know, because it, it, well, it hurt, and we'd you'd get back on the bus and pull yourself up and. Walked through the bus, and we all did the same thing. Apologized to the bus driver, who was very kind, and said, thank you very much. And then we walked out the front. But that's Colonel Jeff and I were talking about that. That might not happen today either, but we, we thought it was terrific. We didn't think anything was wrong with that. I still don't think anything's wrong with that. The gym teacher, the coach of the team, says, you know, hey, what are you doing? Instead of just saying, oh, well, they just got off the back, who cares? No, that's not right. That's not the right way to behave. So we gathered everybody together, put them in that position, and then gave them a big boot to get them the rest of the way. Well, I think that's terrific. And you know what? I'm glad it's Flag Day. I'm glad I have good memories about that. And I'm glad it's very meaningful. And I'm glad I have new good memories about my teachers. They were good, too. In fact, I think they were very absorbing. And you know the same things I do. Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. And so remember, folks, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. You don't need a kick in the butt to know that. Be well, and I'll see you here next time. <laughs>